Warning. This episode of Case Craze may include some or all of the following as it pertains to the cases discussed. Graphic depictions of violence, sexual assault, hate speech, abuse of a minor, domestic abuse, animal abuse, and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Calling all true crime fans, this is Case Craze. Theodore Robert Bundy, you are charged, indictment, two counts, burglary, two counts, murder in the first degree. All of the information regarding this episode will be available on my website, casecrazepodcast.com, along with transcribed episodes and episodes available in Spanish. Dear Weird New Jersey, There was an alleged ritual sacrifice, I think, in the Hoodale Quarry near Springfield. A local dog brought a body part home to its master, which led to an investigation. I don't know if it's true or just a local myth. The Satanic Panic Anything unexplainable or out of the ordinary has to be witchcraft, Satan, or the occult, right? In 1997, a longtime fan of Weird NJ or Weird New Jersey, a local paper and blog written by Mark Morin and other locals, wrote in to discuss an odd murder decades prior since it seemed to have fallen off the radar. Google wouldn't come out for another year or so. This letter sent in would re-spark conversation amongst the town. Her name was Jeanette De Palma and she was found on an altar. Yours truly, Billy Martin. crazy to think it's been that long since we moved from New York City to Westfield. My husband and I looked at many towns in the area. When we found Westfield, we knew it was where we wanted to start. The next chapter of our lives. Westfield, New Jersey is a fascinating town with quite the history. We are in Westfield, New Jersey, which is the hometown of Charles Adams. Celebration to Charles Adams and the Adams family. And in recent news in 2014, this town was hitting headlines due to this very interesting story. When a New Jersey family moved into a new home, they began receiving disturbing letters from someone who called themselves the Watcher. Now, after years of torment, that family is finally speaking out. Just three days after buying the nearly $1.4 million home in 2014, Derek and Maria Broadus say they began receiving threatening letters from someone who identified themselves as the Watcher. The anonymous writer, who claimed to keep a close eye on the house, referring to the couple's three small children as young blood in a series of menacing messages. Whether it's current day Westfield or in the 1970s where today's story takes place, it appeared to be a fairly small and quiet town. No one wanted to think a 16-year-old simply going about her life could disappear and be found murdered. To be fair, the locals of Westfield were still getting over a brutal mass murder that occurred less than a year prior. 
and the lingering dark history of a toddler who was kidnapped directly from his crib and murdered. A little backstory. Charles and Anne Morrow Lindbergh discovered their almost two-year-old child, Charles Augustus Lindbergh Jr., was not in his crib. Upon entering the nursery, they discovered someone left a ransom note with poor handwriting and weird symbols at the bottom. If this story sounds slightly familiar, it's because Agatha Christie was inspired by the circumstances and wrote about the kidnapping of baby girl Daisy Armstrong in Murder on the Orient Express. The FBI contacted as many people as they could, including mobsters. The Lindbergh's continued to get letters in the mail from the kidnapper demanding more money and taunting them. To hopefully catch the culprit, they included in the ransom a number of gold certificates. Anyone in possession of these would indicate some sort of involvement since they were going to be withdrawn from circulation soon. Unfortunately, on May 12th, the body of Charles Augustus Lindbergh Jr. was discovered deceased on the side of the road by a truck driver. September 1934, a German immigrant was arrested for the crime. Bruno Richard Hopman swore by his innocence all the way until he sat in the electric chair. Journalists such as H.L. Mencken was calling this the biggest story since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Seems like a stretch, but I'm just quoting. Once they searched Hopman's home, they discovered $14,000 of the ransom money in his garage, and he had on him a $20 gold certificate bill, a notebook with the exact sketch found on the ransom note, and wood in his home that apparently was linked to a ladder found at the scene of the crime. To come from this brutal slang was the Little Lindbergh Law, which made transporting a kidnapped victim across state lines a federal crime, which makes total sense and I question why this wasn't a prior law, but again, I'm just quoting here. Fast forward to November 9th, 1971. John List murdered his mother, wife, and their three children. After the slangs, John vanished. No one suspected a thing due to John having quite the meticulous plan. Helen, his wife, was 46 and shot in the back of the head. His mother, Alma, 84, was shot as well. He was waiting for his children to come home from school before executing them one after the other. He wrote a five-page letter to his pastor and placed the bodies in sleeping bags in the ballroom of his mansion. He claimed he saw too much evil in the world and wanted to spare his family from it and save their souls. He stopped all of his milk and mail deliveries, told people everyone was gonna be out of town in North Carolina due to someone in the family being ill and no one suspected a thing. Once time had passed and the lights started to burn out around the house, neighbors got concerned and members of the community called the police. During this time, John changed his name, got an accounting job in another state, slipping completely under the radar. He joined a Lutheran church, ran a carpool for members who couldn't make it on their own, and hell, even got remarried in 1985. It wasn't until America's Most Wanted featured a story on the missing John list. When police discovered the bodies, they realized that John had cut himself out of all of the photos around the house, making it kind of hard to show people what he looked like. Finally, he was arrested in Richmond, Virginia shortly after the America's Most Wanted aired. February 16, 1990, he confessed and revealed his true identity. Interesting fact, in 1972, John List was a proposed suspect in the infamous D.B. Cooper case because of the spot-on timing of his disappearance and the amount of money Cooper requested, $200,000, which would have been enough for the mortgage on Bree's Knoll, his mansion, and all of his other debts. Even though the FBI doesn't consider him a suspect anymore, I really like this theory. We can discuss this another time.
Monday, August 7, 1972, 16-year-old Jeanette De Palma left her home to go to a friend's house. Alarmed when she didn't arrive to her friends or her parents the next day, they immediately filed a missing persons report. Things remained quiet for six long weeks for the De Palmas, when suddenly investigators were led to a cliff on Springfield's Hoodale Quarry, also known as the Devil's Teeth. Fascinatingly, she was found because a dog wandered near the area, sniffed her out, and took home her arm. Getting to work immediately, they allegedly noticed a few strange things around the body. It was on top of a pentagram surrounded by wooden crosses made with sticks. Around her head were the remains of animals. Well, sort of. What she was on top of or surrounded by will change depending on who you ask. On September 29th, 1972, the Elizabeth Day Journal featured a story titled Girls Sacrificed in Which Right? Where the writer said the following, Investigation into the death of 16-year-old Jeanette De Palma is focusing on elements of black witchcraft and Satan worship. A review of death scene photos, according to reports, is leading authorities to believe the girl's death may have been in the nature of a sacrifice. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, we're in New Jersey. I'm calling about Jeanette Palma. I was a young teenager when the discovery of her body happened. I lived in the next town. About two years prior, there was much talk in my school about a cult in the surrounding area. They were known as the witches. They must have let it be known in the area that they planned to kill a child on or about Halloween, either by kidnapping or sacrificing them or by poison. I remember being anxious about this because I went trick-or-treating in those days. I didn't read the newspaper, but I was well aware of the dog that brought home the girl's arm. The story was well known as I lived within three miles of the quarry. Keep this anonymous, please. Despite all of the local allegations, how she died was questionable. You see, Jeanette apparently had no exterior indicators, no stab wounds, no bullet wounds. There were no broken bones, no drug paraphernalia found in her system or around her body. Even though this was the case, police at the time swore it was a drug overdose. This cannot be credible though, due to police never having a toxicology report conducted. Medical examiner, Dr. Bernard Ehrenberg, supposedly sent a scalp sample to a nearby forensic laboratory. When investigating the sample, barbiturates and narcotics were crossed off of the form, meaning they were either conducted and we don't know what happened or they were never tested. The only thing that they were able to find was lead, but no explanation was given beyond that. Her death was ruled as unsolved, never a homicide. With little to no information, the public in response only had to offer police information of a local homeless man named Red. Supposedly, he'd lived in the woods right near the devil's teeth. Investigators though soon ruled out Red's possible involvement with little follow-up on why. October 4th, 1972, the New York Daily News released the article Priest's Theory, Devil's Disciples Killed Girl. Jeanette De Palma and her family were evangelicals and their pastor, James Tate of the Assemblies of God Evangel Church, believed she was murdered by the horrible Satanists and witches operating in the town. They were also shaken up by the fact her cross necklace was missing from her neck, along with her purse, but they were more focused on the cross. In 2015, Jesse Pollock and Mark Morin with Weird New Jersey wanted answers on the mysterious death. They published a book, Death on the Devil's Teeth, in hopes of bringing even more attention to Jeanette's death. 
Once they began to question investigators, they were immediately stopped by the local police and told, unfortunately, the documents and case files containing all of the information on Jeanette De Palma was destroyed in Hurricane Floyd back in 2009. They didn't believe them. Jesse submitted a detailed file request to get access to the case files, hoping his gut instinct was right and they were still out there. He also had help from Jeanette's nephew, Ray. Due to the New Jersey Open Public Records Act and the Freedom of Information Act, Jesse finally got his hands on the existing and not damaged case file. He was right. The police were entirely wrong about it being damaged in the hurricane. Why is this? The contents of the case file were game-changing. Everything they thought they knew about the case was going to turn completely on its head. Inside were the crime scene photos, which already answered a lot of their questions. Let's see these crosses and dead animals that everybody swears by. Jesse and Mark strongly believed beforehand that there was no occult activity in her death. And now, based on the crime scene photos, none of these so-called makeshift crosses were found at the scene and there were no dead animals laying around her body. So yes, there were two branches laying on top of each other, presumably resembling a cross. But how this information was leaked is in question. I have my own theories, but more on this later. Witchcraft and superstition history professor Jason Coy of the College of Charleston was asked for his opinion. Based on the crime scene photos, he says he can't find a single sign of the occult, Satanism, or any symbolism of the two connected to her death. Also in the case file was a report that was never made public. According to a driver in the area, he alleges he picked up a hitchhiking girl that looked almost identical to the photos released and swear it was around the time she went missing. This is all of the information we have from this witness. Seems a little important, no? Who was this guy? Is he responsible for the murder? There is no other information about this. Jeanette was found at what the former Springfield Police Department would call a party spot. The crime scene photos, though, make that very hard to believe. It's overgrown and hard to walk around. Nothing is flat, there are large plants in the way, and there was nothing there like trash left over from a party before, during, or after her death. Remember how I mentioned her purse was missing? This is apparently true, but it's more literal than you think. The purse itself was missing. All of the contents of the purse, though, were dumped out about six feet away from her. It contained tissues, Vicks inhaler, lipstick, a comb, and lastly, a clear vial with a unknown substance. And again, there is no further information about this vial. Once the word got out that there was no occult activity, Jeanette's family finally had some answers. Jesse and Mark continued to ask locals about the mysterious death. Still, they all seemed to recount the same story, occult, witches, and Satan himself. According to the Weird New Jersey website, no one wanted to be on record, including the Springfield Police Department. Dear Weird New Jersey, this is in regards to the story of Jeanette De Palma. When a body was found, it was not on an altar. There were logs around her body. She needs to be put at rest finally. I'm sure something out there or someone must be able to give you some more information about the case. Maybe she did herself in because at that time there was a lot of Satan stuff going on in the reservation. Sorry, I can't give you my name for more reasons than one. Anonymous. Multiple people swore it was a police cover-up. I have a lot of questions. My mind immediately wonders that maybe the police just didn't want to touch the case due to the possible occult involvement. The kids that listen to this music are killing themselves and each other because of it. The music is called heavy metal.
The message is that in a violent and dangerous society, the future for these kids is probably no future at all, with a violence the police described as demonic. This is beyond horrible and I hope it isn't true, but all evidence to me points to complete incompetence due to this satanic panic. Why so much of this satanic panic? With its rise in the 1970s, God-fearing people everywhere were terrified and pointing fingers. Jason Coy said that the turmoil within the Christian community was rooted from films such as Rosemary's Baby and bands like Black Sabbath. Evangelical leaders and churches, much like Jeanette's family church, said to be aware and on the lookout of Satanism. Dear Weird New Jersey, I knew Jeanette De Palma very well and my friend went out with her. We used to go to church with her. She was a very religious girl, but I think her parents forced her to go to church. She was kind of a little bit of a wild girl. We all went up to the house and helped to look for her and spoke with her parents. I don't think my friend, who was quite in love with her, ever recovered from it. It was all the talk of Union County for two weeks. Then boom, it was gone. It left the papers very quickly. That is very spooky in itself. In the past 30 years, I think I've only thought about the girl twice, and I felt a little ashamed of myself. And then, I read the Weird New Jersey article, and said, Holy cow, everyone forgot about Jeanette De Palma. That poor girl. Weird New Jersey put out a statement that if you have any information regarding Jeanette De Palma's mysterious death, to contact the Union County Prosecutor's Office at 908-527-4500. Justice for Jeanette De Palma is an active Facebook group that hopes to bring more answers to the De Palma family. Included on their page is breaking news stories of cold cases being solved due to modern DNA. Hopefully after 50 long years of no one behind bars, we will find answers. I don't know if I have a solid theory on what happened to Jeanette. What about the dog bringing home the arm? To me, that's really weird. Did the dog bite the arm off? Was it already detached? There just seemed to be a lot of pressure to get nobody to discover this case. Police claiming that the files have been destroyed, them not actually doing a toxicology report. Everything seems really fishy. And what about the guy who picked up this hitchhiking girl? Was he ever questioned? Tell me what you think. If you would like to discuss these cases, please join the Discord. It's available on my website, casecrazepodcast.com. If you're still here and listening, I'd appreciate it if you left a rating and a review. It helps tremendously. And please be safe out there. I don't want to have to learn about you on the news. Mm-hmm.